Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of the Travel and Mockery podcast. It's the 7th of July, and uh, my main man, Joe, just got married. And today, he's in here with me, because he's on a honeymoon, whereas I'm still getting the training in, hard work, and I've got an honored guest on the show. Let me introduce to you. So he came in second at the World Championships in St. George, Duathlon, Be Your Mile. Um, Don't remind me. He is... Lionel Sanders whipping boy, and I'm Joe's whipping boy. My man, how you doing? Well, uh, Lionel hasn't whipped me in a while, I'll say. Um, I'm off on my own now. You know, sometimes you got to do things for yourself. Thanks for reminding me of that uh, that horrible loss. Um, it was my first professional podium there in St. George, but uh, I left that with, with a lot that I knew I need to work on in terms of tactics, you know, such as jumping in the pool with my shoes on and and just straight fitness, you know, I couldn't match you on the drinking and that's, uh, I'll have to get back to work, hard work, like you said. Do, do you think if he, um, so if I, if I look back right now, uh, we'll get to that in a bit, because this week we're going to talk about uh, stress and we're going to talk about overtraining uh, and a little bit about what, K-hole, maybe something like that, because you've been like literally common, maybe slightly in it a little bit, but um I'd say my form right now on so is is quite the same as in uh, St. George back then, except for the bike, but the bike got cancelled in that race that we did. It was too windy. So, um, yeah, unfortunate. But w- w- do you think you can still take, you could take me on right now or would you struggle? Well, I haven't been doing much uh, LT3 drinking, right? Because the, the duathlon world championships, so it's so short um that all, all the drinking is is at lt3 so i've really been just focusing on for, the lt1 for for everyone that doesn't know what we're talking about you should uh check out the uh video that we did in st george's on joe's his youtube channel i think is uh the ironman world five. championship series episode four or five something four like or that five. it's one of those That's, yeah apparently it was a bigger race than uh than the actual Ironman World Championships itself, but that's just what I heard from from others. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, anyway, mate, how, how was uh, the week? Any highs and lows? Uh, a lot of highs. A lot of highs. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll start with the highs. Um, a lot of high- We're not really used to a lot of highs. But no, I know, ahead. I know. But things are just things are just going well. I gotta say, uh, definitely there's some lows, but highs. July fourth was Monday, uh, which over here in the U.S. we. We celebrated our independence from the likes of uh, you know, Harry Palmer and uh, Fenella Langridge, Joe Skipper, and and uh, Mark Matthews. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually had a lot of training to do that day, so I didn't drink a lot, but my friends all got blackout drunk, and I drove them around. Uh, it was a pretty good day celebrating our independence from Skipper and the what, likes. What would you do then on Independence Day? What What would be, like, if we'd say that's proper American thing to do on Independence Day? It's like driving around in a big truck, shooting guns in the air, and then be like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you just get absolutely shit-faced and watch fireworks. That's that's every American what, do, holiday. Do you, go to like a, do you go to, like, a festival, or do you go to, like, a bar, or what, what, what's, a, what's the thing? Uh, we just had a, you know, someone had a house party. Like there was a pregame at our house and then we went to somebody else's house. I guess some people probably go to bars, but for the most part, people have barbecues is like the big thing. You barbecue. And if it's like family friendly, you know, when I was a kid, it was always like a, it was the whole family gets together. And then when you're sort of mm-hmm. an adult or, or a young adult, you know, without a family, you all, you just get shit faced with your friends. 
usually at a house yeah and sometimes barbecuing i guess it was technically a barbecue but would they have like a a big festival with live bands and all that or or when you really have something like that yeah there's probably stuff like that that goes on i would guess most of that's more that's the family friendly stuff that you could go to you know live music and, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that uh but for the most part i think it's more of a it's like a family and friends thing I don't know. I've never been to like a July 4th festival, but I guess there are because there's fireworks. So the best fireworks are like at at the um, when someone, you you know, if you're like doing fireworks yourself, it's not going to be like a big show. But when you have like a big sort of uh, company technician making like huge amounts of fireworks um, that you'll go to like a park or something, I guess that would technically be some sort of a festival that everyone sort of goes to after they're uh, done with the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So that's the fourth of July. Yeah. So independence. That was that was one high. Um, another high. I had. Uh, so I'm racing this weekend in Oregon against uh, Battle of the Influencers, going up against Big Mets. Uh, so oh, I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited for that. Yeah. And uh, do you fancy your chances against? Do you fancy your chances against I the Big do, Mets? I do. I do, and you know why? It's All a, right, go on it in. is a it is a massively down current swim. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's like the swim I've heard, I've heard from uh, people who did, it was an age group race last year, but now they got, there's a pro field. And I've heard from people who normally say they swim, they swim about 25 minutes for an open water 70.3. They said it takes them 15 minutes to get down the river. Shut so, up. So what it's race gonna, is that? 70.3 Oregon. So that's for sure a high Oregon. is oh, that sorry. the swim is already fat. But then. I I wouldn't necessarily call this a high, but they're talking about they might you, cancel the swim because of you're e. already talking about like the high and all that, like you've done the swim. Yeah, I'm just saying. Well, okay, that's you know, it's I I, I am racing this weekend and I'm fit. That's the high. I had two really good days oh, good. back to back, two of my best days in a long time. So that's a high. Uh, I guess we'll probably get get to that in a bit because you've been coming from quite a rough period, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, but the fitness is there and then low, which is actually why, I, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to fit this podcast into a real tight window. The low is, so I got here, I got to Seattle about five weeks ago, uh, looked up, a, you know, a couple pools, did some research, found one that I thought was pretty good. It was, you know, easy to get, to get a lane, um, uh, good price. And I go there and for two weeks, it's, it's real good. And then uh, Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, they changed the hours. So now you either have to go at five in the morning. There's a two hour lap swim from five to 7 a.m. Or Mm -hmm. 12 to one. It's one hour. So, I mean, I'm not even, I'm I'm always swimming for more than an hour for the most part. So uh, I got to fit in this swim in like a single hour. Uh, So they're doing summer camps. That sounds actually quite nice. Oh uh, yeah, so you can't swim. You just got your excuse in the book for why you can't swim. <laughs> so uh, it's the the pool hours changed for the entire summer because they're doing swim lessons and summer camp. So uh, really horrible for for getting in a swim. I got to plan ahead, but uh, I do have a lake right by my house, so I've been getting in a lot of open water swimming. Oh, that's good. But, that's good. Yeah, looks like uh, you're betting like a good mental state. I remember uh, like a while ago, you've been quite uh yeah down so it's good to see you're uh like back on track mate yeah we'll save that for the main uh, subject of the week but so if if people want to see like what we're what we're saying and uh uh, like our face expression check it out on youtube check it out because you should see this man is happy and he's wearing his dutch can football shirt 
my man. <laughs> what about you, mate? You got uh, I assume you have some lows. Yeah, so uh, quite a uh, quite a busy week coming down. So we had Ironman Nice last week. That podcast was up two days ago because um, internet was absolutely horrific, and we just had a, a couple of days with the boys. So we uh, we left there on on uh, um, we, the, the stack was actually from Monday to Thursday. And what we did is kind of a scenic drive with like uh, um, a couple of his friends, his father, his father-in-law, um, his uh, like a. a um well anyway a bit of family um we did a bit of a scenic drive and in the evenings we'd go out for dinner we uh we'd sleep in these like some sort of like farm places or something like really cool airbnbs near one of them was near the mont blanc and then a barn. one day of like you mean? So, yeah some sort of like a barn a i don't know hay? it sounds a bit like you have a good bit of hay sorry you slept on a bed of hay or oh no no just like Any horses a, uh, in like there in, in, in like french no not really but these these typical french a mountain place it was it was just really nice and uh his friends are like real uh it's because i know joe as a as a real like as an athlete i know joe as an athlete i know everything about him as like an athlete and and how he normally uh acts in real life like he's quite uh quite a quite a tough guy he doesn't really show any emotions he's always getting the training done and 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 all that and it's just um really good now to see a little bit of the other side you know like how how, how he interferes i've never really met any of his uh, like friends and and just to hear the stories what 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 their interaction is they're all doing like they all know each other through triathlon um they're all into like triathlon but more like, they're all age groupers that sometimes do like 70.3 one of them did the four in these um but before i get to this what i want to say Ari, are you are you an emotional guy you'd say are you are you an emotional guy yeah yeah quite you would say you've got you've got like emotions. You you sometimes need to like sh- share a tear or something. I don't. Yeah, I don't know where this is going, but for sure, I've you know I'm I uh, I cry uh, on camera um, commonly. But I mean, if you need to cry, so, Tom, oh, really? I can oh. be your guy. You can go for it. Get now, it out. what I wanted to say is, um, what you see is. Do you know the saying that comes from um, big tough go- boys? Guys have a really tiny heart. Do they say that in the in the, like America as well, or is that like no, a Dutch I've thing? No, I've never heard that. Big tough guys have a tiny heart. Like, like tough guys, but he's got a small heart. He's a tough guy, but he's got a small heart. I've never heard that. A small heart, like you would never cry, right? Um, no, yeah. it actually means like someone can act really tough, uh, but from the inside, he's actually a real softy. Like he's really emotional oh, and, and like caring, a, a and tiny little boy uh, on the inside. With a tiny little exactly heart. and yeah. meaning meaning someone could like really care about like uh, a dog and get really emotional so you, you could see this for example uh, a really aggressive mma fighter uh, um being really emotional with a little puppy i'm just saying something like that i don't even know how to explain it so but, what you're getting at joe um, was anyway joe crying a lot there was a lot uh, of crying that went on mate let me get to that point so <laughs> i know joe as a as a real tough athlete and uh, uh like very uh i I don't even know how to like rightfully explain it, but uh, um, he's not really an emotional kind of guy. I'm 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 not like that either. Like I always stuff up when you f- feel any emotion, like suppress it, you push it away. No emotions, put it away. Shove it, shove it down, show. yeah. Shove it down, shove it down. This didn't happen. No tears. Um, but shove it then, down into the K hole. Shove it down into the K hole, and and I think many guys are like that. And where? How come these big guys turn then sometimes into these softies? Because they all 
shovel it up from the inside. Like they all stuff it up. And then it's really nice to see. So it is at Joe's wedding. This was, uh, this is my high of the week, mate. So we're all, we're all sitting there in this nice little garden facing with the castle in the background. And, uh, you could see his family, his friends. And, uh, he didn't see Laura yet. And then when she, she walked up, he had like tears in his eyes. It's just, it's just really nice to see that a, that a big lad like that all, all, all of a sudden like cracks like a little boy. You know what I mean? Beautiful. It's beautiful. It is really, uh, it's really beautiful. So it was an absolute, really, uh, really beautiful wedding. And today I had like, <clears throat> I had another wedding and, uh, wedding man that made is exactly the same big man. And, uh, but a tiny heart, she walks up tiny heart, mate, broken tears again. And, it also does something to me when I see a really good friend of that, like getting really emotional. Have you, have you ever had something like that? Have you? Oh, sure. Yeah. Cause it's quite special and it made me think, um, so this week was, was of course Joe's wedding. Then today I had another wedding and I also had two a bit more of like lows of the week, two good friends of mine. Sadly, their, uh, their dads passed away. Sorry to hear that. Man. But I think the, the common th- thing and this the whole thing i want to say is um we're, all, we're always busy with triathlon swim bike run but sometimes we get caught up in that too much and um we've got everything around us like family friends uh and and because we're so busy with triathlon sometimes we uh i think we forget to uh to, to spend time with them and they're actually the ones that are always there when things don't work out that well or where you're not having a good race or your time after triathlon. And just after all these occasions, these, this week, it just uh, reminded me of that. Don't know if it's high or low, but I just think it's, uh, it's important. So what you did with the 4th of July with your family and friends, I just think that stuff like that is very important. And of course, sometimes I could get really emotional, Ari, if I see a really spicy session, LT3 on my training peaks. But I can tell you that this, mate, this uh, this hits different. And I just think is uh, sometimes we just forget the importance of family and friends. Well, at least I I, I sometimes forget because you get caught up in the game, don't you? You're busy traveling. You're away a lot. You got your training, swim, bike, run. You're not home a lot or you've got your job. Then in the evening, you got to swim. And sometimes it's all right to cancel a session to catch up with some mates. I just think it's important to be said. I agree. I agree. I mean, we kind of this is uh, this is getting into the main subject of the week a little bit, but uh, well said, Tom. And yeah. All you triathlon mockery listeners, I know you've either turned it off by now or you love this podcast even more. Tom Osterdyke is a human. Joe Skipper is a human. They cry at their weddings. Yeah. Uh, everyone sheds a tear. I've I've cried on camera multiple times. You can go on my YouTube and uh, there's just me absolutely bawling in tears, mostly after after races. But I mean. I'm uh, I'm usually not afraid to show it. I uh, uh, I'm definitely a pretty emotional guy, and I don't I, I don't care like what people think about it. Um, but, but there's nothing wrong. Gotta... There's nothing wrong with stu- with showing it. It's just no. you stuff it away. You stuff it away. Well, it's like and the trash at some point bin. you're doing it. You know, when into you, like, the trash like, bin, and at some wanna, point you don't want to take the trash out, and you keep you're like, oh, okay, this has some more space. exactly. Push it down. And at Eventually, some there's point, no more space. Exactly. At some point, the trash can is so full and you start to burst in tears at some occasions. The occasion is totally inappropriate. For example, your downstairs neighbor 
cat passed away and all of a sudden you're crying harder than all of them together you know what i mean because you've been shoveling up all too much but anyway yeah i wanted to say like joe's wedding was absolutely amazing and um it's just really uh awesome to have it shared with his uh, friends and family and then i really hope he's having a good time on his honeymoon um yeah so that was massively a uh, high of the week got back on the ferry yesterday oh, no, on tuesday it's thursday right now and uh, back into training, mate. Back into training. And finally, and I'm going to be staying at home for a month now. Time to get in some decent training. Finally, some decent training. Like, proper sessions. No more messing around. But anyway, mate, let's get over to uh, the main subject of oh, the week. Hold on. I'm terribly sorry. My roommate wants him. What's up? No, for sure now. He asked me if I wanted to run. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, stress, stress, K-hole, yeah, overtraining, mate. How, um, because you've got some uh, some real uh, experience in in this. How, uh, how come you? Because you're 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 moved away for your own good right now. Uh, so you moved up again, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm back in uh back in Seattle with uh with my boys. And why was that? So you were training with Lionel and at some point you made a decision to move. Yeah. On. So, well, there was first, there was the overtraining before Oceanside. And then, uh, it just, it took me so long to feel good again. You know, I kind of, I took like two weeks basically straight off. Like I took a week completely off after the overtraining when I decided not to do Oceanside and then sort of came back real, real easy. And I just never, I never felt good. I was always struggling to string, you know, even a single week together, right? I would always have to take like extra rest here, um, but not like planned rest. And not like you were saying where like, I'll skip a training session to go hang out with my mates. I didn't have any mates down there except for, except for the boss man, you know? Um, so it was, it was like forced, like I just couldn't do the training sessions. And in addition for me to be helpful for, for Lionel, um, you know, I had to go and get whipped. And I wasn't quite uh, ready for it in some of those running workouts. I just felt off, uh, never felt fresh. And then, uh, and then COVID got COVID. Uh, that was another, I would say two weeks or so. Like I didn't train at all for a week. And then mm -hmm. another week after that to just sort of feel normal. So by that point, we're, you know, we'd gone from like mid February was when I really started, uh, started feeling bad to, almost june um so what would you what would you say for you being overtrained felt like and so you had a couple of weeks off and what made you at some point switch so first what what did it feel like what would you feel would you feel depressed unmotivated yeah i would say it, it was interesting because i never i never lost the sort of fire to want to train but the biggest thing that for me was I didn't have any friends out there, you know, normally I would probably be going and doing group rides and group runs and, um, stuff like that, you know, meeting other people with similar interests, but my job was quite literally to accompany Lionel on as much as I was able to. So I couldn't go do, there's, there's a famous group ride called the shootout every Saturday. It's a drop ride. It's, you know, it's really hard, like chain gang sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. and so I would normally have like probably gone and done that every once in a while. But uh, that's a really hard ride, and we would have like really long days, hard days on Sunday, right? So uh, it quite literally was my job to show up on Sunday, 
sort of ready to work for like six hours, you know, long bike, long mm-hmm. run. So couldn't go, couldn't go to the shootout. Couldn't really go to any of these group rides or, or group runs. Um, cause I, you know, I was just focused on training with Lionel. So I, I didn't really make any friends out there. And especially once you're, if you're training really well, you can almost get away with it. Right. Cause when you identify your entire life with something like triathlon and it's going really well, you feel, you feel mm-hmm. great about yourself. I'm sure everyone listening has, you know, can, can relate to that in some, in some capacity. But then once you start training like shit, then you start thinking, Oh, I'm, I'm a shitty person. Like I can't, why can't I do these training sessions? Like what else, what else is there about me to feel good about? And so, and, and that's where friends and family are, uh, are really did you, helpful. Did you then feel lonely back there and felt oh. like I, I, I'm not really doing the training. I feel a bit that I, I can't do, I'm doing this full time, but right now I don't feel like I'm reaching my potential. It's only going backwards. Family's up there. Friends are up there. And did you get, come to a point that you're thinking like, what am I doing it all for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I never sort of forgot why I was doing it, but it's one of those things where when, when you don't have, you know, it's the, it's the pyramid. You've heard of the hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. where it's like below, you know, you need food and shelter and safety, and then you need friends, yeah, yeah. family. And then on top of that is what we're doing. Self-actualization. We're training to try to figure out how good we can be. And when you don't have that social interaction, how can you possibly focus on training? So it got to a point where, uh, you know, my friends always wanted me to come visit and I was like, oh, no, I'm working. I can't just, you know, I can't just leave. I got to, I got to train. Um, and I was like, oh, boys, I think I need to come because Lionel was going to Flagstaff and I figured, oh, he goes to Flagstaff. I'll go, uh, I'll just go to Seattle and, and recharge. So yeah. that's what I ended up doing. And, and I thought, I thought that I had lost so much fitness from, you know, being overtrained for, you know, it was like months at that point. Now it's been five weeks of just hanging out with my, with my best friends and just training, you know, how I want to train and it's all come right back, uh, you know, right, right, really? right back enough that I can think in the back of my head, maybe I can scout big Mets this weekend. Wow. That's good. That's really good. What did you hope to run in the half then? Um, I think, so I did a simulation a little bit last, last Friday um yeah off the bike i did uh i did 90 minutes at sort of 70.3 ish uh, on the bike and then got off and ran i uh, did mostly mostly lt1 and then a total of 15 minutes of lt2 and if i had continued the session all the way on the half i would have run about 113 so i think mm-hmm. i think i can run below 111 if i bike Fucking similarly That'd yeah, be really good. i think i'm for sure in shape for to may under 110 would be I would either need to suck wheel on the bike a little bit. Um, if you got to do, it, you got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah, got to do what, uh, as long as legal distance. Yeah. you got to do what you got to do. So we'll see. You know, and that, um, that downriver swing will just suck Big Mets's wheel. Um, but uh, so, but that. again, yeah. So the five five weeks of just being around, like being not not stressed, not overtrained, training the way I want to. Now I'm already just feeling good again. So. Hmm. That's, I mean, that's how important that's, it is to have uh, some semblance of, of balance. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's also really hard to get out of it, like over the, uh, I would say, overtraining, demotivation, if you're uh, by yourself, isn't it? Just to have oh, yeah. distraction from uh, others or or uh, like someone to share thoughts with is uh, is quite handy, isn't it? Well, so yeah, absolutely. And first off, I want to say that I, I'm a pro at overtraining. 
I've been putting myself in the K hole since I started. I started running when I was 14. I joined the high school cross country team. Now we're talking. Yeah. Pro at overtraining. Oh my! I'm the best. I think yeah. There were PTO. I'm a rankings. professional K hauler. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, so I was 14, um, and I decided I was going to do this is outdoor track season. I'm now really into running. I guess I'm 15 years old, and I didn't know what anything about training. I just knew that if you work hard, you get better. That's what they tell you. You get in, you, you get out what you put in. I was like, okay, so if I can just work harder than everybody else, I'll be the best. So I would do whatever my mm -hmm. coach had us do during the week, Monday through Friday. And then for a couple weeks straight, I went Saturday. I would do like three times a mile all out on the track because like mile repeats was one of the few workouts I knew. It's like, oh, you have to do mile repeats. So I'll do mile repeats all out. And then on Sunday, mm -hmm. I would run like 10 miles, which was a crazy, that was like a, a very long, long run for me. And 10 miles was pretty hard too. And then I would go back and do Monday through Friday, whatever my coach said. So I did that for about three weeks, just working as hard as I could, and then ran myself into a complete low iron. So there was like one day where coach assigned a workout during the week, and I just, I, I could barely break like seven minutes for these for these miles right for like on the track yeah. when normally i would have been doing like six minutes so uh that yeah, was the first sign that you're yeah that was the first experience with overtraining you know literally year one of running started taking iron got it back and it was fine but pretty much once a year every year of my career in endurance sports i've overtrained in some capacity although the one in tucson was was the worst Mine good. Yeah. Well, I, I I do think so. You're you're doing it full time, so you've got more time to push yourself. But I think um, in the case of uh, in the case of uh, uh, age groupers, um, I think how they end up in the K hole slash overtrained, demotivated is because they've got, for example, a job or a busy life. They're doing triathlon as a hobby and. It's quite nice in the beginning, but at some point it's going to be feeling like you have to do it. Like at some days it's going to feel like that because you have, for example, a busy day at work. You're coming home at like 7 p.m., quickly need to eat, either put the kids to bed or whatever. And then you need to do this hard threshold session on the indoor trainer on the bike. And they're going to they're be these days that you feel like, I don't want to do it. And if they come in combination with you're not feeling good because you're stress from work stress from travel i know travel can take so much out of you like a day travel you can feel it two days after oh, yeah. if you've got like a whole day of travel you're gonna feel absolutely shit faced for two days but it's normal to feel bad like some days it's normal to feel like that but if you then take it to like oh i've got a bad day and you're canceling for example friends appointments for example friends barbecue on a saturday evening or whatever and if you do these this stuff too much like it's all got to be about the sport, about the sport, like getting the stuff done and you st stop to enjoy it. And I think that effect emotionally is also pretty big on amateurs. And I think they'd rather suffer from an emotional demotivated K-hole instead of a, you've been training too hard and too much K-hole. That's what I think the difference is between professionals and amateurs. Professionals train too hard, completely over fuck himself, can't do any training anymore. And I think in uh, in amateurs, it's, for amateurs, it's just more like, of course, they can train too hard. But I think the majority is just that to get demotivated and all that because they're too busy, too much stress, got heart sessions, can't hit the numbers and all that, and then end up in this vicious circle. Well, they're related. They're related, certainly. 
I mean, the mind and body. You can are, have both are, of them. You can have both of them at the same time, but in, in either case, yeah. or in both cases, I'd say it's because in some sense, you're not getting the proper recovery. Like if you are, if you are. What's, what's your, what yeah. would be your to go tip then to, uh, so you're having a, for example, your coach gives you 10 by a mile, um, six minute mile in on the track and, uh, um, you start off in the first two ones, or for example, you had an absolutely horrible time, 6.45 for you would be horrible time. And you've got a bad session, bad day. You've already had a bad day. Long um, day at work or whatever. What, Wife's mad at me. Whatever. What What would be, uh, what would you do then? What would be your tip? Well, my first tip, you know, you and Joe probably can get behind this. Just why are you having a coach in the first place? <laughs> that's i'm a, I, at the at the current moment i mean that's not true that's maybe harsh um a lot a coach provides a lot of structure but if i tell my athletes for an ex example in that case like you don't have to do these sessions on the day that they're assigned in training peaks if you are feeling shit and it's not going well like push it off a day push it off two days right if there's an injury or anything like just just take it easy because mm -hmm. enjoying it is the most important part i firmly believe that if you're not enjoying yourself you're not going to recover from it. If you're not recovering from it, you're I, not making adaptations. I do think. So I would can. I do think I what you're saying about. I do think what you're saying. What are you saying about the coach? And um, many coaches have it. Many coaches don't. Is uh, you can write a plan, but that's just writing a schedule. And I think what's important, what what uh, outstands a great coach or what a a good coach is, is if you're able to mentally and emotionally coach someone, because that's what coaching is, to say Absolutely. you've got six six by six minutes threshold and build a weekly schedule, that is not that uh, that hard. But to make someone feel confident about the training or if they've got a bad week or, or talking about a certain situation or uh, understand the job that they have and, and the private life what they have, I think that's the most important thing instead of like writing a schedule because it's the schedule is not really that rocket science. No. I think it's the emotional and mental coaching that makes someone a proper coach. And the other one is just a trainer, I'd say. I agree. Right. So back to this, well, back to this, say, say 10, 10 times a mile case. If it was me and my coach, I would always encourage my athletes to go by, by their internal perception. So if I said, all right, you're, you're trying to run threshold or whatever, normally threshold is six minutes. And for whatever reason, you're feeling so horrible that you're running 6.30 or 6.45, I'd say, fuck the watch. Don't look at the watch. Just run 6.45 or don't, well, don't even, don't even look at what you ran, right? Because uh, how your body feels on any given day, that can actually change what your threshold is, right? So I encourage them to go by internal perception more than, more than giving them a time, right? And if you are drained from a day of work and whatever is going on at home, family, like, how is it? It's not going to help. It's going to hurt you more than help you to go out and smash yourself on a workout like that. So I would say either don't worry about the times or just can the session and do it the next day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If I'm, if I'm, for example, going to the pool and I'm hitting absolutely horrible times, it doesn't make any sense to try and do a threshold session because you're not going to hit the threshold times. So you're not achieving the right things that you want for the session. But have you had, this is just uh, going off the beginning about the emotional big yeah, guy. Yeah. Have you ever done a session? For example, you had a bit of a tough time and then you're doing a certain session that's so tough and you end up 
like doing it towards the end? Do you get a bit emotional during that workout? Have you had that before? Well, okay. One one thing that does this was one of the last, the final straws for me, I think, with uh, with the boss man in Tucson was uh, I was coming back out of the K hole and uh, it was going to be hot in St. George, right? And it was hot in Tucson. And Lionel was like, all right, well, we're going to be getting off the bike at about 11 a.m. So I think we should do our run workouts at 11 a.m. And in Tucson, it's, oh, it is, it is hot. It is crazy hot. And the sun, right? You're, closer to the equator so the sun is like directly up in the sky and i'm out of shape and i'm not heat adapted and lionel is just a beast right so i would sort of blow up several weeks in a row on these workouts i had to go slow way down and then this workout i was feeling good about it i was like i've been training in the heat for a couple weeks on end now i think i can handle it i'm getting fitter and i just blew up so hard again had to cut the workout short and I was getting a little teary-eyed. And Lionel finishes the workout, and he comes over. And he says, "Hey, you having a mental breakdown, guy?" And I just, I could, I was so, <laughs> I was so upset. I just got in my car and I drove home. Uh, I mean, so that no, wasn't. I don't know well, if you're talking well, about like a good workout so, where you get emotional. Yeah, but yeah. That one, I so, literally was. I, in I tears. really know. I've been, I've been talking about this with a friend, with a friend of mine. He's got a really. Uh, He's like a banker and he's got a really busy job and he trained for like a, a lot of Ironmans in the past, but now he's got a kid. And for, so he did all that. He qualified for Kona. He's actually going to Kona, but he's not in shape since he qualified yeah. like two years ago. But um, uh, yeah, and he, he, re, he just works out now a little bit to get around the course. But I remember uh, talking with him about getting emotion, emotional through certain sessions. And I don't have this very often, but I do remember a 30K run that I li- did last year and I had to do... 26Ks at 345K pace. I don't know what this in uh, in Marlin. That's six-minute miles. Uh, that was six-minute miles. It six was like, uh, is that six-minute miles? I could be something 345 like is six flat. And yeah. uh, it was like, a, a, it was the last run of a really big uh, run week. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And uh, it was uh, like a tempo, like long tempo run. And then Joe was like, just get it done, mate. Just get it done. And I was thinking, it's the last session, like, Let's just give it a try and see how it goes. And I remember being like 20 Ks in, like in a tempo bit. And I started to get like tears and I was running. I was thinking like, I'm actually doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> and my heart rate was all good. And and like, you've been training hard for a long Brock. There's a lot of things that you've uh, like, that you didn't do because of the sport and all that. So much effort that you put into it. And I, yeah. I do think you only get this in triathlon or where a sport where you like have to put so many things aside because it takes so much effort and all that to uh, to accomplish it. And then when in the end you're doing it, if it's a training session or race, the emotions come up, mate. It's actually a cool thing, isn't it? Emotions, what it does to you. Yeah. I mean, it dry- why, why else would you want to be <laughs> successful in this sport if not, you know, it's emotionally driven. That's the only way it makes sense to me. But yeah, but successful actually- is all relative, isn't it? Because you could be a 16-hour tw- Ironman and still get emotional. Success is relative. You shouldn't yeah. be an Ironman to get emotional. It's about the effort that you put in. If you worked hard for it, you've done so much stuff for it, then the uh, the emotions get to you because in the end, you've done it. That's where you've all done it for. The emotions come up. And uh, I, 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 Joe always almost cries after every Ironman if he comes across the finish line. What's it, mate? If it's if there's a live stream, you can watch a bet, Chattanooga and all that. He's uh he'll never show up during a pre-race or whatever. He's always a tough guy. Tiny heart, mate. I've had it during my first Ironman and the one in Cork. Two races that have shed tears, but it's uh yeah, and a few very few heart training sessions. But um, 
Yeah, K-hole and overtraining. Speaking of that, I think I've been in like, I wouldn't say K-hole, but a bit like, because I've been so busy and, and like a lot of traveling. Because um, then I had Joe's stack party that I, uh, and his, like his wedding and all that. Um, so I did it in the, in the end of a two and a half week build up block. So it was actually like my easier week, but then the traveling and all that makes you feel so tired. So I came back this week, then you feel tired a minute beginning of the week. Then today I had like another uh, marriage. Um, and all that is stress, mate, it's stress. It's the travel, yeah. it's stress. And that's gonna make you feel demotivated about training. So I'm really happy that I'm right now back in The Hague for a month and I'll, I can just get the training done. I wanna take it over no more messing around and uh at the end of that training block i want to shed some tears i want to i want to fill up the garbage can right now and i want to shed some tears it's gonna overflow the garbage is gonna overflow in a month yeah is there something else you want to say about the k-hole or uh, demotivation emotions i don't know yeah i mean i i you can, even, you can share it with us we're your pals mate yeah Let's open up I might your shed a few tears i mean even though uh i, I kind of like I kind of like that I put myself in the K-hole. You know, I think there's two types of athletes that, you know, when left alone, it's like I've heard this about Gustav and Christian. If you left them alone, Gustav would progressively train easier and easier. And, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't get too much better. And Christian would progressively train harder and harder, put himself in the K-hole, and then he also wouldn't get much better. So those are the mm-hmm. two the two sides of the spectrum. And I'm obviously on the side of if you leave me alone, I'm going to do stupid stuff. I'm going to train way too hard and, and I'm going to, I'm going to put myself in the K hole, but I kind of like, I kind of like being that person, you know? So I mean, I always feel like I'm working hard for, I'm always working hard for it. And the fact that every time I put myself in the K hole, it tells me that I still want it really bad. You know, it's like one of the biggest fears is one day you just won't want it anymore. But every time you're in the the K hole, what? Do you know what the paradox is in, in my case? I absolutely love to smash myself, for especially on the bike. Like, absolutely like to dick so deep that I'm yeah. uh, like, till my whole body collapses. But sometimes, especially in the swimming and in the run, I'm just not really looking forward to it. So, like, you, you need to put yourself into it. And then once you go, once you're in it, I'm loving it. Like, absolutely loving it. But to put yourself in like to to put that mindset into you're going to be in a lot of pain um i find it hard to do it solo sometimes that's yeah. that's where discipline comes in but i find it hard no I, I feel you there especially in the swim not having swam as a kid and the the, the flip turns man the cho- you know like the low oxygen can't breathe that stuff it uh, i i, I think it's been do better you know what i find huh what, what I find strange about a flip turn is, so if you would, for example, swim underwater, you could swim from one side to the other, can't you? Maybe. For example, you can hold your breath for a very long time. Not then very when long, you're doing but... a flip turn, When you're doing a flip turn, you're literally underwater for two seconds, and you're like, I need some oxygen. I need to get upstairs right now. Well, Don't you feel like that? Yeah, but also when you're doing a flip turn, let's say at the end of a rep, it's like the last... Actually, the last flip turn, I always get a little bit of adrenaline at the end of a rep. But it's like, let's say I have 100 to go. I start counting. I don't, I, I'm not even counting, like, how much distance I have to go. I'm counting flip turns because, for me, that's the hardest thing is, like, staying underwater really? for long enough. Yeah, it's like, whatever. Swimming, I, I actually quite like swimming, you know. Uh, but the flip turns, man. Because you never, you're never going to flip turn in an open water swim. So, for me, it's a bit of an extraneous thing. No, so what thing. are you that's worrying not, about? 
well, are you because worrying about? About dying, drowning. It's scary. You get you're under there. You have no did, oxygen, and your brain did a, says, "Did a flip turn? <laughs> did a flip turn ever make you cry? Is it that bad?" Uh, I'm trying to think if I ever cried from a swim. I don't think so. No, but it makes me, you know, because <laughs> you, you ever get that heart pump. It's been you're at the end of a rep, a VO2 interval. You can't breathe. Like breathing, you, you're already not getting enough breath. Breathing every other stroke, and then you have to stay underwater for an additional, you know, couple seconds. And especially mm-hmm. did the flip turn is the fastest part of the uh, of the swim. So you want to stay underwater as long as possible because then the rep will be faster. So for me, it's like three, two or three flip turns to go. I'm really in oxygen debt. That's that's the toughest. But but that's back to struggle, back man. to the, that's the, daily struggle. the uh the run, the run and the swim. Yeah, you know, I think everyone probably has a couple of disciplines that it's easier for them to i mean you're good you're the the bike is your relative strength right so it's easy for you to get on the bike and and just smash yourself because you look at the numbers and you're like oh i'm world class and then you know you get in the pool and like like, you might hit a pb set but it's like yeah what is you know vince louis backstroking next to you yeah is this is this pool long is this pool long (laughs) (laughs) it's slow waters really thick water yeah exactly (laughs) it's a slow it's the gutter but um Mate, like, honestly, my daily grind is if I get back in the pool with the kids, I'm going to do that this month. I can see very, very, very tiny 12-year-old, 13-year-old girls with very small arms swimming 16 minutes, 1500s, like literally Dutch champion uh, under 15 or something. And I'm saying to the coach, how can I, with these massive guns of mine, not even push that for 100 meters like what what's that fuss about like why can't i do it it's just so much more to it I, I see him flying past and it, i'm it's demotivating it's an emotional imbalanced training every day but um yeah gotta gotta love the grind mate anyway have you got a little bullshit buster for me Ari? something you've seen on the gram something you've seen on training or that you've had up your mind because you've listening to the podcast for so long you're thinking oh uh, you know what there. this actually this 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 is really unfortunate that my mind's blank because last time i was on the podcast you asked me for a bullshit buster and i couldn't think of anything um oh oh power meters power meters what? are the bullshit buster i know you guys don't want to hear this but why is that this is what i have discovered i have discovered throughout my my short times thus far as a cyclist that power meters are bullshit and they all read differently okay so for one let me explain let me so right power power is um it's uh torque times velocity Right, that's the equation yep. for physics in in power. So in theory, what a power meter does is it measures the torque that you're putting down by a, a thing called strain gauges. They measure the deflections in the material that the power meter's in, uh, and then the the velocity, right? So the the cadence or RPM, whatever, how yep. how fast you're pedaling. So the thing is, no power meters, as far as I know, actually measure torque. What they do is when they're making a power meter in a lab they have a a machine that measures torque and they try to line up the strain gauge, the deflection, so that estimates torque properly, right? So they're just trying to line them up and they say, okay, it's lined up. And then they ship it to you and they tell you basically it's measuring torque and velocity, but it's not measuring torque. So what happens is that if you 
ride slightly differently than someone else. You got, you know, power phase, uh, you, you put more power down in, in certain parts of the stroke, like you have a high velocity uh, and some parts yeah. of your pedal stroke and a low velocity and others, the power will read differently for different people. And so I'm not saying power power is, is bullshit in and of itself, but I get the sense that sometimes in triathlon, there's this, uh, it, it's not about who put down the most power, especially or, Harry, or who put down the most you, speed. Have you got a low what? reading power meter? Oh, it is crazy low weak? reading power meter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what everyone says. That's what everyone says, right? No, but, I, I think what, what you're saying, um, I would say power meters are personal. I've got three different power meters. Um, yes. They all read different. One of them reads very different. But what I do think is a power meter is really great for training, but power is very personal. So um, if you're doing hill reps, for example, power would be more useful than heart rate because heart rate, it always takes a bit before it gets to a certain yeah, level. So lagging. I think with power, you can train more paced. And on top of that, I think if you've got the same power meter, with, for example, certain FTP tests, if you follow this, the same protocol, you could more or less uh, in a certain way say if you've improved on the bike or not, whereas based on feel, it's always a bit of guesswork. Yeah. Um, but it's all personal, mate. It's all personal. In the end, it's all about going as fast as possible from A to B. Exactly. So the, the I guess the bullshit is you can't compare power between people and say, you know, right. one so person the bullshit puts down is, you can't. It's also weight, mate. For example... Um, of course, the, uh, um, the the Terminator pushes massive, massive watts. Exactly, and but he's, he's, a, he's, yeah, a fast, he's a big boy. He's a, he's a fast biker as well. You know, he he a couple of times he came off the bike and and did like uh, a lot of uh, work on the front. But he's also eighty plus kilos, if I'm not mistaken, or just under eighty kilos, something like that. And maybe with a high reading power meter. So if always rides are around like three hundred watts, it could be me doing 240 250 watts on every ride yeah. could be i'm not doing but that. yeah and if you look back at the but, terminator uh, strava from a year ago and he was pushing 280 then say then you you can see he got a lot better but my issue is i uh i had these got the favero, well so i had the favero asioma <laughs> pedals right which i thought were were yeah. good and then lionel has the same pedals and he says ah oh, these read high these definitely read high they read 20 watts high and then i forgot uh the pedals in tucson when i came to seattle and then but the uh my bike has a has a cork on it i wasn't using the cork because i always use the Faveros. i don't like to change power meters but i had no choice and yeah all of a sudden i was pushing 20 30 watts less across the board and uh for the first couple of weeks yeah, it's it was, hard because it was, then you it need freaking me out you need to know what you, you need to know what your threshold is because that could be a bit demotivating because i've got a quark on my power on my uh shift on the uh, the TT bike and I uh, like that's the one I, I do the most amount of sessions with like interval sessions I do know for example the power meter on my road bike reads something like I think that my uh, when I did that 46 k's an hour for it's on a track so it's riding loops with oh, the other 600 week, yeah. meters elevation or 500 in that 24 hour race 46 k's an hour for 45 minutes my average power was 300 and 20 watts which Ooh. is pretty low for 46 and a half k's an hour on a road bike but yeah. that sense that their power meters read just totally different you just need to know what your threshold is with that power meter so yeah bullshit buster is comparing power numbers with each other yeah that, that is a good bullshit buster area yeah and the biggest thing is my yeah my boy trevor foley i don't know if you listen to this i don't know if you you will hear it trevor but foley if being you able, before but being able being able to say that you push big watts 
It's kind of cool, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. My my buddy Trevor Foley goes, you know, I think we're about the same weight. He might be a little bit heavier than me, but he goes I, something like 390 I, watts for two hours. He'll just put that. that he'll just upload rides like world, that. World, world, that is world class. I'm saying, yeah. So it's just seeing that makes me, that's why power meters are bullshit is because I'm not pushing as much power as my competitors. Mm-hmm. There's oh, simply I, no way yeah, that you and Joe push more power than me. It's not possible. It's your power meters are reading high. <laughs> I wouldn't say ours read high. I think the quark reads like average. Yeah, it's, I'd say it's pretty. I wouldn't accurate. say I wouldn't say like uh, on ex- like extraordinary numbers. Also, if you look at so for, sometimes I see numbers from people and then their speed. I'm thinking like you must sit really upright because that power can't be real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some some read high, some read low. Uh, in the end, it's just a number. It's all personal. Good good bullshit, Buster mate. Well done. Um, so before we, uh, yeah, if if you want to support the show, head over to our uh, Patreon page because I want to go to Saint George. I want to go to Kona. Oh yeah, Tom Tom's going to be hurting for I wanna, cash. I he get... said he's paying me a thousand from the Patreon to come and be the guest appearance. So you guys better sign up. <laughs> you've got couples that come mate you've actually got a sponsor that's sponsoring you we haven't got uh, any mate we haven't got any yeah we're you just, need a dating we're just website a crowd funded podcast we're, we're from the people undependent from the people but having that said um with that episode this episode uh yeah don't forget about the uh the loved ones and the friends and family mate no that's, instagram uh, post of the week take away from this one Sorry? No Instagram post really of the week. I have an Instagram post of the week. I've been so busy last week. What it's, about a um, nice picture of you and the mates, right? We're talking about friendship and emotions and shedding tears, tiny hearts. Maybe just put a nice – I say here, you post on Instagram and you put a nice picture of you and the mates from the wedding and just remind everyone that it's important every once in a while. Maybe skip a training session to hang out with your mates, and that's that will help your performance more than the training oh, session. I was thinking like mates, as in M A I D S, like mates. But you mean mates? As in <laughs> oh, of course you were thinking about mates. <laughs> I was thinking, the where French is this going? Maid outfit, yeah, mates <laughs> and maids. If yeah, you have with, maids. yeah, a picture of me and my mates. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll have a little look of that if I can get my hands on. I think that's uh, important. So the takeaway is that, like sometimes. Don't forget about the friends and, and family. And uh, yeah, also this week, I think it, it just shows you uh, how important it is to, sh- to share the moments. And uh, whether it's getting married, sitting around a campfire with friends or, or getting saying goodbye to some July. friends because yeah. life happens, doesn't it? Or 4th of July. Yeah, definitely. Um, anyway, Ari, you've got a swim coming up, haven't I do you? Got so you got to leave. My final taper, big Mets look out. Look out. Follow Eric Clowden this weekend. Give him a follow on the gram. He's a good lad. Good heart. Small heart. Tiny heart. Chat some tears for now and then. Still managed to do 50 minutes podcast. Yeah. Um, I just haven't so much catching fun. up, mate. Skipping my swim. Joe, Joe Skipper will be back next week. And uh, yeah, like I said, don't forget to rate the podcast on uh, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. It would be a massive uh, thanks. And uh, check it out on YouTube. And 